Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dcnews35 that's dcnews35 dcnews35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com Three, two, one. What's up, guys? I am Kelly Gaines, and welcome to episode 22 of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. This is our podcast where we dissect all of the episodes of the beautiful Harley Quinn TV show. And I am here today with some fabulous people. First, we have Brad Filicky. Brad, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Hope everyone else is doing okay as well. Hanging in there, hanging in there. And Seth, Seth Singleton, also another fabulous, wonderful person. Seth, how are you? I'm well, but I'm missing my long hair because this would be an episode where I could let it down. Ah, well. How about you, Kelly? How are you? I'm doing great. I am excited because we are, you know, official television guests to Ivy's bachelorette party. Um, And that is so this is season two, episode nine, and we are just hitting the end of season two. And I mean, basically shit's going to hit the fan and it starts hitting the fan in this episode, but it's going to continue to hit the fan throughout the rest of the season. But we start off with Harley, Ivy, Mrs. Freeze, Catwoman and Ivy's kindergarten best friend, Jennifer, um, on an invisible plane heading to their vacation destination of choice, which is Themyscira. Um, Brad, off the bat, what what were your first thoughts seeing this setup? I the, the first thing was the birds that keep hitting the plane because I would think you know <laughs> if, there, if Wonder Woman did fly around in an invisible jet, that would have had to happen a few times. So that was that was kind of funny. Not that I'm into cruelty to animals, but that. <laughs> did 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 make me chuckle and then uh, you know and I, I i thought to myself harley's got her work cut out of her be, cut out for her because Nora's all upset because of her dead husband says she's not going to have any fun uh catwoman says that she wants to sleep through as much of the weekend as possible nobody really knows jennifer and so yeah she's got she's got her work cut out for her for sure <laughs> uh what about you seth there's something weird about a prepared Harley Quinn. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the Harley Quinn who like has a checklist and is organized and uh, wears a hat that says head bitch in charge. Um, <laughs> but also just how when we introduced this idea, there's a lot of that classic sort of bachelorette fair. Like, for example, a reusable penis straw made from... <laughs> quality source materials and (laughs) 
there were moments like that. Jennifer, who's the bitter childhood friend, how we also have just that that sort of weirdness between, you know, Harley, who's doing everything kind of right, but then does the one wrong thing, which is to, well, hug Ivy and then smell her hair, which I'm just curious. Is it a bona fide for just about everyone that smelling the hair equals either infatuation and or perhaps a bit of creepy? Uh, Kelly, what was, oh, wait, nope. and Apollonia Airlines just had to throw that in there. Brad, you had me with the bird strike, so I wasn't even getting into it. But, man, can we just say Apollonia Airlines, and, and we need that. Sorry, Kelly, I know you were ready to hop in. I know I did, like, a little stutter app step, like, wait, wait. I, 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 so, I just, because that whole hair smelling thing freaked me out, too, because I'm like, I, I've seen this in shows before, but... I've never done that and I've never seen anyone else do it. And I, I don't like, do people smell people's hair? Is that like a, is that a thing? Have, have you guys ever just felt like, oh, I'm going to sniff this lady's hair? I, I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> God. <laughs> a partner's hair, you know, someone who I am being comfortable with, you know, where that sort of closeness is something we are both enjoying at the time, then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like you want to take in sort of everything about that person. You're, you're hyper acute, you know, to like, uh, which is unfortunate because if there's like a bad breath thing or some other, you're like, wow, OK, I'm, I'm suddenly super aware of that tooth or, you know what I mean? Like some other factor where you're like things changed a little bit. It's still adorable. But it's got these human qualities to it that make it both very real and yet just this side of idyllic. Um, so, yeah, that that seems like an appropriate one. But clearly Ivy isn't prepared for it. And I just sort of wondered, like, it should be right. Like, I, I've hugged people that I didn't know. And I have been caught by, like, either a perfume or a, a really strong, like, you know, shampoo or conditioner where it's like, whoa, hey, that 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 was intense. Uh, that was like a hug with like a kick. Um, but, but yeah, like with this one, it definitely felt like a, hi, and you're like, Ooh, Ooh, that was, that was a, that was a lungful, two lungs actually. So yeah. Anyways, chiming. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, that is the most, like the way she did it too is so obvious. I'm kind of like, Oh, that is, if that was accidental, you have it bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You thought it was accidental. I totally thought it was just like intentional, but just in the way it was, it was like, oh, dude, time it better if you're gonna. I mean, come on. There's tact. Uh, you you totally thought it was like just like a, you know, unexpected sort of passionate sort of. That's genius. Yeah, I like, like she caught okay. a whiff and she was just I like. Kinda, yeah, I kind of agree with Kelly on this one. I kind of thought it was a bit accidental because i think i think through all of it harley's heart is in the right place and she is really trying to do the right thing um so i don't know if at that stage of this episode she would be in a creepy mode i don't know okay yeah see i came down on the fence about this and i'm curious to hear both of you guys about it because for me it was like it, it, it felt like her just that bit of clinginess just that part of like i want you what <laughs> Nothing. Sorry. I mean, uh, did it get weird? Uh, you know, and you're like, clearly it got weird. Like you let your desire overwhelm. But uh, for me, it felt like something where it was. It felt more on the creep side. So I'm, I'm grateful you guys pull it in a little bit on the accidental because 
knowing the the character of the show, it just sort of seemed like, oh, Harley is a little obsessive. I mean, there was the Joker phase, let's be honest. Okay, okay. So thanks, guys. I appreciate the, the balance there for me. <laughs> well, you know what? I think there, my favorite line probably in this entire show is in this episode. And it's, I, I mean, and for one, you know, what? I'll, I'm going to get to that in a second. I, I want to start off with just, I mean, you guys pointed out she, she has, you know, this group of women with her. We have Mr. Freeze, who's crying about her dead husband. We have Jennifer, who is just the bitter grade school friend. And Catwoman, who is clearly too cool for all of this, but is still a good enough person to at least show up. Um, I, I just love this kind of hodgepodge gang of people Harley got together, because I feel like this is, I mean, at least in my experience, this is pretty pretty much what a, a wedding party looks like where it's like, all right, so there's the friend that I kind of kept in touch with from grade school. There's the person that I met a few weeks ago. There's, uh, you know, the person I've known for a few years, but we're not super close anymore. You know, it's just, it's already an awkward situation going into it. And then you throw in this extra layer of, and the maid of honor is in love with the bride. And it, it just turns into something hilarious. And I, I, I fucking love it. Um, but my favorite line is while Harley's going around on the plane asking everyone, you know, if they have, I don't know, champagne or booze and, you know, getting a little bit bitter with Jennifer. Uh, she goes to talk to Catwoman and Catwoman says, you have two minutes until my Ambien kicks in. And I, I mean, I had insomnia for a long time. And I can honestly say that I've, I've said that sentence enough times to people that when I watched this with my boyfriend, he laughed and spat his drink out. Because it is it is exactly something that I've said before. <laughs> so that goes down as my favorite line in this show. But I just love this group Harley got together. And I mean, it's it's, you know, like you pointed out, it's so true that Harley, an organized Harley is a weird thing. And I mean, either A, she's super into throwing this bachelorette party or B, she's running from something. And I feel like we're going to get a little bit more of what exactly it is she's running from and why that's not a good idea. Um, but yeah, so they, they get to the mascara, they land. It is the now resort island of the Amazons, and they're greeted by Eris, uh, the goddess of chaos, which I think for a Bachelorette episode is probably the perfect goddess to include. Guys, what do you think of this this resort and this initial setup? Brad? Uh, I think like ivy that it seems that was ivy you said it says oh, it seems very commercial for the mascara so yeah i i uh i do or corporate i think is what you said it was too corporate it's very corporate so i was kind of suspicious the second they landed and of course we have the invisible car that's also bird smash into so that seems to be a definite reoccurring theme but um yeah um yeah, it, it, it's definitely something like out of like and, and we'll probably touch on this later on in the episode, something out of like a fire festival or, you know, something that influencers go to for sure. What about you? Uh, what about you, Seth? Yeah, I mean, right away, I would think to myself, Themyscira, a place I'll never visit because I'm male. That's just bummer on the chromosomes, dude. Like, <laughs> this is how you were born. And, and that's, that's true. Yeah. You, right. So that's just sort of a given. But but this place like epitomizes, uh, um, to use the cliche, trouble in paradise. I mean, you know, there's there's definitely something wrong when you've got a place that's 
removed itself from man's world for, I'm sorry, what's their measurement of time they get, they use for this? I feel like it's eons. Um, <laughs> and, and suddenly now it's open for business and it's, it's this weird commercialization that, that just sort of feels creepy and, and dirty and a, a bit scummy. And, and now I feel myself going, well, I, I definitely wouldn't be allowed at this place now because now it's become that kind of fire festival thing that Brad just described. And I can tell you one thing about me, folks. I am not an influencer. I, I simply do not qualify. I mean, it just, <laughs> Good. It's just, it's, thank you. It's in the numbers, man. Like I can quantify it with the number of followers I don't have. So <laughs> for me, it just was like, ah, but here's yet another reason I'll never be able to, op- you know, visit because they'll open it up. And when they finally do, it's going to be to those guys, not me. So I'm never going to. So it was a nice little window in. But yes, there is definitely trouble to be had, concerns to be mentioned. And I think a reason behind it all that we're going to have fun talking about. Kelly, how about you? See, the funny thing is I didn't initially put together that something was up, not in this scene yet. When We'll get to the scene where I was like, oh, something really weird is going on here. Because I was just excited that like, oh, my God, if Thermoscara was a resort, that would be so fun. And I mean, yeah, it's 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 definitely weird and definitely not their style. But I, I was like along for the ride as of this scene, at least. But I then at the same time, um, just kind of with an inkling of who Eris is, it was it was weird that she was the person that greeted them. And that kind of kind of lends itself to. OK, so we're I mean, she's a villain, at least in uh, I know she was a villain in the new 52, but I'm not sure if she was if they kept her through uh, for rebirth. But, yeah, I was just so excited about the idea of this being a, a Themyscira resort. That sounds so fun. Um, and it's hilarious that apparently all of their their transportation is invisible. Because, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say why would you need an invisible car. But, yeah, kind of. I mean, why would you need an invisible car? I think, actually, the fact that other people can see your car is a, a good thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this resort looks like fun. and. Harley, God bless her, is holding it together throughout this, uh, you know, the them getting settled and whatnot. Um, but Catwoman's not buying it. So she confronts Harley in the hallway and says, you know, there's there's just there is some sweaty desperation, I believe, were her exact words. And, you know, what's up, basically? And even though she's asking what's up, she doesn't want to know what's up. But guys, at this point in the show, were you or at this point in the episode, did you feel like. Harley's definitely giving it away that like something is way off here. Brad? Uh, yes, but just because I kind of feel like uh, the show is kind of setting that up. So uh, judging from past episodes and the kiss and how things got weird. Um, yeah, I, I, I did kind of feel something that, that she knew something was up. Uh, I just had that kind of instinct. What about you, Seth? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how else to say this, but it, it was a form of compensation that I can only equate with men and sports cars. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> Not entirely, uh, go on. Oh, so yeah, there's a commonly held belief that men who have, let's just say, shortcomings in certain parts of their life desire to make up for it by having a very shiny (laughs) and muscly sports and or muscle car. So (laughs) 
<laughs> when considering that. Yeah. So that that's always that's just like, uh, you know, whenever you see like the oversized pickup truck with the way too big tires that are literally the size of a six foot person. And, uh, you know, and then on top of it, it's lifted. So it's almost like you need, you know, uh, an 18 foot ladder to climb into it. And it's pretty common at some point in a gathering to hear somebody go, so uh, <clears throat> what do you think he's compensating for? And it's just one of those. Yeah. So as soon as for me, as soon as Harley showed up with the, the clipboard and was like, I've got everything you want and everything you love. I was like, wow, compensating much. Come on. Come on. This isn't even on brand. Like, what's going on with you? And, you know, especially after we'd just seen sort of the, the chaos that she had you know, created for them in regards to uh, <laughs> you know, potentially becoming a general for Darkseid and a few other bit of, you know, whimsical adventuring. It, it just seemed like, wow, if you're swinging from one end to the other, you have no idea where you really are or you're so terrified of where you want to be that you're going to run to the opposite directions all over. So yeah, by this point I was definitely there. What I love is that you've got the one character who's going to say it, which is Catwoman because hello intuitive. Also, you know, cat burglar who's used to reading people, you know, can, can pick any lock and burgle anything or, or, you know, get her hands, paws, claws. And as soon as she's the one to say it, it's like, it's the perfect person to do it because you can see Harley trying to like backpedal and you're like, Oh, come on now. They're in the headlights. Like you're done. You, you know, this Catwoman's trying to figure out which way she's going to flick you like a little mouse that your cat plays with. Like <laughs> for her, the whole adventure from this point now is confronting Harley and watching her a deny it. And then B do all the silly stuff we know she's going to do. So yeah, personally fucking brilliant. Like that was the moment where, at that point, you can't even ignore it anymore if you're Harley. And now you got to actually deal with it while on this thing in which you're trying to prove that that's definitely not what's going. It was, again, brilliant writing. Kelly, were you, were you sold any other point before this moment? Was there glimmerings, hintings? I don't know. Yeah, I, think, I think I kind of, I mean, even just Harley on the plane, she was very... Uh, you know, organized, going up and down, making sure people have everything. I mean, that's like, and, and she, you know, she had her, her dick straws ready to go. I mean, clearly she's put a lot of extra effort into this that she wouldn't usually put. But I, I did just like this little exchange with Catwoman because it's, you know, for, for anyone who was wondering whether or not it's, you know, her friendship with Ivy or her love for Ivy that's driving this moment, it's the love part. It's not the, I'm going to throw my best friend the best bachelorette party in the world. It's the, I'm going to throw all of my energy into throwing this bachelorette party so that I don't throw it where it shouldn't go right now. Um, but, it, you know, it's... It, feelings are hard and I, I feel for Harley in this situation because uh, well, we'll get there. We'll see. But we then switch over to what kite man is doing for his bachelor party. And personally, I think it's the most adorable, wholesome bachelor party I've ever seen. I mean, that is, I kite man is a good guy and it hurts to say, because he, he, I, I don't know who I'm rooting for in this love triangle, but I mean, look at that bachelor party. I can't tell you how annoying it is when people, the, the bachelor party is like, yes, right before my wedding, I'm going to go out and do something that would make the girl I'm going to marry not want to marry me if she knew I did it. Because that's always a good foot to start a marriage on. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I love that, that this is what Kite Man's doing. 
Guys, what do you think of his bachelor party? <laughs> I just love the fact that the only thing he had downloaded to his phone music-wise was the score to Big Mama's House 2. <laughs> not this, not even the soundtrack, but the <laughs> score. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not <laughs> want the soundtrack to my bachelor party to be the score from Big Mama's House 2. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure and, there could be scores, <laughs> but oh yeah, I mean, and I think that you you nailed it with saying that it was wholesome. Like he didn't want strippers, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, how can it not be wholesome with Clayface and King Shark? And you know, with you know, thank God Psycho wasn't there because that would have. That would have made it a whole lot less wholesome. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, you know what, I, I would not mind being on that boat as long as I could get better music. <laughs> what about you, Seth? So this is where I get to fess up to something funny. I never had a bachelor party. Never had it. Um, my wife and I were both like, hey, we're not going to do this. And then, of course, her friends totally tricked her into one, like, we're like, hey, we're going to have a dinner party at so-and-so's house. And no, that's definitely not what happened. I had to go pick her drunk ass up at the house. And they're all looking sheepish. <laughs> and like, it was just one of those things where I was like, holy fuck. I'm going to be really honest here. I was so fucking glad to have the, you know, the upper hand on that for a little while. It was such awesome leverage. It was just like, yeah, we agreed we weren't going to do that fucking shit. I didn't do that fucking shit. But I don't know what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> and I can hold it over the friends like it was hilarious in that way but yeah if I was gonna have one I mean let's be honest about a couple things even when I got married I was sober so yeah not gonna be some wild ridiculous thing where I'm so drunk that I do do that stupid thing that makes my intended partner go wait why you again because this is giving me reasons like to say no um <laughs> and and having it be something now the boat for me a little bit of an interesting choice and especially when we learn about how king shark chooses to you know participate not really but i'm actually going to disagree a little bit brad because it would have been funny to have king uh to have psycho there and just bitching the whole fucking time the one goddamn <laughs> foot party and there's no fucking strippers there isn't even hookers can i get a hooker for god you know what i mean like i know See, you, you know i i i, I thought about that <laughs> but then I thought, well, he would just use his mind control powers to make him do the stuff he wanted to anyway. So either way, he it was going to be some some dark okay. roads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because for me, that would have been like a little bit of just like, you know, I mean, if there's if there's one thing that's fun, it's a character you love to just be annoyed by or hate. And, and and that's that's psycho. Like, you know, he's just the, the most crass, the most annoying, the most belligerent and, and also it's kind of fun to just see him like just so fucking angry so uh, i'm tossed on that but uh yeah very wholesome um <laughs> and i love that the choices are king shark frank who's just really <laughs> like tell me about the bonding that has occurred between <laughs> kite man and frank since his relationship with ivy and then also clay who's just I mean, seriously, if I was going to have a bachelor party and I got a chance to have Clayface, you better fucking believe it's going to be this Clayface. Like, yeah, dude. And, and I'm going to ask him to do, like, all of his best 
acting portrayals. Like, I want to see your bathtub moment, bitch. Like, what do you got? All right, <laughs> Kelly, how about you? Well, all right. So I, I've been to one bachelorette party and, you know, of course, the, the rule was no strippers and whatnot. And actually, this bride was very specific about no dick shaped stuff. And uh, I mean, she was like, it's it's the dumbest thing and I hate it. And I know everyone thinks it's funny, but just don't. So we left out there. And to be fair, I don't remember a good chunk of that bachelorette party, but we went to an arcade. So to me, it's like, you know, you can have a, a wholesome bachelorette party. And and, you know, I, I apparently wandered off and was stealing other people's drinks off their tables all night, which explains a lot about why I don't remember it, because I didn't bring a lot of money with me. But, you know, it's it doesn't have to be a, a crazy, you know, hedonistic adventure if you have a, a pre-marriage party. Um, so I, I really did appreciate uh, Kite Man here, because it's just it's I mean, they're doing a puzzle like it. That's so cute. That's so adorable. And then their puzzle puzzle gets interrupted. Because apparently King Shark is the son of a literal King Shark and the definitely not a Disney character knockoff because they will, you know, Disney's crazy with their characters. But the totally not Disney knockoff lobster boards their ship, demands to take King Shark back under the ocean so he can get married. And the the fun part of this for me is the song that he's greeted with. And I, I mean, Brad, you were just talking about the music at the bachelor party, but how did you feel about that underwater song? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, uh, I, I would I'll say this, that it was better than the score to Big Mama's House, too. But I got to I got to say that as great as this episode is so good. And I think that that song is kind of the low point of the episode, because I feel like the jokes the song makes have has all have already been made before again and again. So I, I, to me, it almost felt cliche. I don't know. Am I being too hard on it, Seth? I don't know, man. I mean, they got me giggling with not the way. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> just that whole lobster call. And also when he says, dude, it's time for you to shark up like that, that for me was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we've gone from man up to cowboy up to cowgirl up to, yeah, now we're at a uh, shark the fuck up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, the lobster's decision to like slash Clayface and like, kind of like top him, not, not quite behead him, but just chop his head in half at the top. Uh, <laughs> those were, those were the lobster. Already, yeah so i was kind of already like on it like okay what do we got oh yeah this is the place where basically it's all a bathroom under the sea all right so my my pitbull feeds is apparently really excited about this you can hear in the background hey honey you snarbling thank you <laughs> yeah she's like rolling on her back doing that like, ah. <laughs> so she had a great time too um <laughs> but yeah it's all a bathroom under the sea and uh, for me it okay i was sold because they'd already got me there with the other stuff um yes there was a little bit of me like okay i, I was actually composing better lyrics while i was responding to the song because sometimes i sing back and that's just me um but also i think the one thing that sort of like gave it a little bit more for me was king shark saying aren't there other pieces to your argument uh so yeah there was you know i mean I don't think you're being too hard on it at all if you're going to do a musical number. And yet at the same time, if you're going to knock off Disney and also make fun of them in the process, 
why not do it with a song about poop? Because really, like, you know, I mean, there's nothing better than imagining Disney having a, a meeting about, well, do it, does it matter if it's poop or would it make a difference if it was shit? Hey, could somebody tell me the difference between poop and shit when it comes to this fucking episode? So there's just a lot of fun to be had there, too. Kelly, what was your uh, verse? Well, all right. So I I did. I don't know. The the song for me, on one hand, yeah, it was a little cliche, but it took me, it caught me off guard. I mean, I I just wasn't expecting it. And I think I was I was like flipping through my phone the first time I saw this. And then I, I looked up and I noticed there were a bunch of sea creatures singing. And I was like, what the fuck am I watching? And I was like, oh, no, this this is it. This is the episode of Harley Quinn I was watching. And it, it, they are doing a song about listen for another second. And, OK, pooping. They're doing a song about pooping. Um, I mean, it just it's it's so ridiculous. And I honestly didn't expect it to be a full musical number. I kind of thought like, all right, they're just going to, you know, they'll they'll do a couple lines and, and cut off. And no, they committed to this. This was a fully animated musical number. And I. I mean, I got to give them props for that. But I agree because King Shark makes a very good point of is your entire point that you can poop in the ocean? Because, I mean, I, I don't I don't know about everybody, but for me personally, I don't want to poop anywhere. I just want to go in a bathroom. I mean, I, I don't that that wouldn't sway me. And it didn't seem to sway King Shark. Um, but it, it's funny that they choreographed their entire argument around this point, assuming that that would be the thing that he is most opposed to, that on land he has to use a bathroom. Because uh, I, I feel like all of us on land can kind of agree that bathrooms are a nice thing. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> that, that was their argument, and it was a shit argument. But, God, I, I do love a good Disney knockoff here and there. <laughs> so we, we cut back to Harley's party. Um, and it's not necessarily off the rails, but as, you know, a group of grown women who have better things to do with their time and don't really know each other will often do. No one's happy that they're on this island with an eclectic group of people and are complaining, um, which Harley doesn't take well to. So she tells everyone to get their shit together uh, and start celebrating Ivy and it works and they seem to have a good night. So. What do you guys think of that that first night from the dinner through their their initial partying? What how'd you feel, Brad? Well, I really liked when she stood up to Catwoman because Catwoman comes across pretty intimidating. So that was kind of nice to see. It proved that she was really serious. And well, you cannot have a bachelor party with a, a bachelorette party without uh, a lot of booze and dancing. And uh, so that, that, that tracks for a fun bachelorette party. And it really kind of showed that Harley was really trying to make this good for Ivy. It, didn't, it really didn't seem to come from a, a selfish place, even if she was kind of just trying to do it to occupy her mind and not and try to bury her feelings. But I really do think she was trying to do something nice for Ivy. And I, I did like, you know, not only did she stand up to Catwoman, but they all did start having a really good time. So I think I think she did a good job. What about you, Seth? I thought she did a great job. I was impressed by the fact that, yeah, she grabs a hold of Catwoman who makes like that meow sound, which I thought was just fucking awesome. You know, like when you pick up a cat and it's not having wow. And, and that was her, so like, <laughs> and he toss, she tosses her on the couch. She's like, listen up, you picky bitches, which I thought was just 
really fun. Like, you know, it was definitely Harley letting loose and, and checking everyone. Um, and then there's the, the idea of like, how can we make this better? Sure. We've got the dinner, but then we learn about Hedonica, which is a great name, uh, from Eris, who's there to post for social mead or I'm sorry, social mead. And, uh, <laughs> and we discover a problem, which I think Ivy does a wonderful job of describing, which is uh, what the fuck is wrong with the queen, which was pretty, you know, like uh, on point, uh, that, you know, as you point out, it, uh, yes, for bachelorette parties, yes, drinking, yes, dancing. I already went on my whole tirade last time about when I was a bartender and the shit that it used to just, you know, the trouble you could get into with that stuff. Um, and clearly it, it's possible with these guys, whether it's Jennifer screaming, I can see the outline of his penis, which I thought was... <laughs> <laughs> and an importantly un, or an unimportant but apparently necessary detail for her to uh, describe and mrs freeze who earlier is like yeah uh i none of this makes me miss my dead husband to i'm gonna mount this stripper i mean she climbed right on top of that dude like you know he was a tree and, and she was a marsupial uh <laughs> and then we've got drunk ivy who's like let's get cop squad tattoos which i thought was just like Okay, uh, I, I don't think Harley or Catwoman's really tying into the whole Cobb Squad thing or even digging it as far as an idea. But I love the fact that you want to get tattoos because people getting drunk and getting tattoos always ends well, never in a bad way. Kelly, what was your overall takeaway from this? Was it going well up to this point? Up till this point, yeah, it was going great. I mean, I, I was impressed that they actually stopped complaining and got their shit together. I mean, that was like the, because I mean, and I guess in that situation, you would if it's like, all right, I'm at a party for someone else, I can't complain about myself, but they very quickly at least commit to pretending. And then, you know, add a few drinks and a couple of strippers in and yeah, now they're they're full on actually having a good time. Um, and I, I did love seeing drunk Ivy because I, I just... I don't know. There, there's a point in a, a going out night. Uh, I mean, at least I, I can say this from college. You, you go out with a group of girls and there's a point in the night where even if you don't know half the people you're at whatever bar with, where everyone's drunk enough that now you're all just like everyone's best friends. And and yeah, you contemplate getting tattoos together and all this stupid shit that like luckily, you know, I, I mean, usually people don't follow through with. But we'll we'll get back to the Cobb squad later. Um <laughs> But it's just it's it's so nice to see that they actually pulled it together. Um, you know, and Brad, like you were saying, this does kind of point to Harley's doing this also just because she loves Ivy. You know, it's not it's not enough to just plan the best bachelorette party. She needs everybody to be on board and everybody to be kind of on deck to make this the best weekend of Ivy's life. And it works for a, a, a minute. It works for a minute. And then, um, well, I, Ivy and Harley have all their drinks, you know, you have your crazy, this person's my new best friend moment. Um, and then, you know, you get into other heart to hearts and, and, you know, middle, 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 Harley and Ivy wake up in the same bed, Brad go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, this is, uh, something that we all knew what was going to happen. It was just a matter of when, not if. It's, you know, a, a lot of sitcoms have that will they or won't they, but you kind of deep down always know they will. 
Uh, not the most ideal time for it to happen and certainly complicates things. But uh, it, it, I, I like this scene because it, uh, it demonstrates what I love about Ivy is that she is more complex because we always see Ivy as kind of the character that has their shit together the most, uh, who people rely on. But she's been in just as much denial about the whole relationship as Harley has been. And uh, she doesn't really know how to deal with it. So you see kind of a, a side of her uh, vulnerability, maybe, that you don't usually see in the character. And uh, I, I, I just liked it because it makes the character even that much more complex. Uh, what about you, Seth? As you pointed out, Brad, the will they, won't they, they're perfect for each other sitcom scenario is well-tread ground. Um, the thing they really want it for me, and, and this is usually a determining factor for me as to how good it is, is, well, how, how good is the tension? And I'm pretty sure Ivy wins it with shit piss cakes of a dick. Um, essentially, if that's your first response to <laughs> hooking up with someone and it's not something you intended, I really feel like that's a, a great point of tension is the fact that you're so fucked up. All you can say is messed up things like shit, piss cakes of a dick, because <laughs> as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is Ivy unhinged. This is Ivy like not making sense. And she proceeds to not make sense. There's there's plenty of other great dialogue in there. I'm not trying to steal the show on that. But <laughs> there's that moment where you realize, yeah, she's she's become vulnerable. And, and we learn a little bit later, like, where that really, that root of that is coming from. And I think the, the look back from that moment really makes this uh, a horribly terrifying one for Ivy. And I, I think it would be for any of us. It's kind of messed up. But it's like, look, if you got your life together and you got that one person and there's this thing about them that unless it changes, you you'll you'll risk everything without you know feeling like there's a lot to gain you're gonna you're gonna end up with this just like chaos of okay get me the fuck out of here get me the fuck out of here except learn that's easier said than done really yeah i mean i look it's i i feel so bad for them in this moment because on one hand i i feel like deep down harley's definitely a little bit happy and maybe a little bit excited and for ivy it looks like it's almost the opposite reaction where she's there uh, we we've seen Ivy or harley run in a way where she's throwing herself into running this bachelorette party and she's you know trying to keep everything perfect for our ivy we've seen the way that harley deals with suppressing her feelings I, and i think the interesting thing with ivy is that we don't really see what it is that she does to suppress so when she wakes up on you know this particular morning in bed with Harley, her reaction is like, fuck, like I, I was holding it all together. I was keeping my cool. Nothing was up. Everything was fine. And now clearly something is up. Um, I, I just, I feel so bad for them in this moment, just out of, I mean, it's a bachelorette party. So Ivy's getting married. So this isn't even, you know, a little will I or won't I date this person in one sense. It's also, I will I or won't I marry the other person. So this just, I mean, this has to be like the most troubling morning to have at a, a bachelorette party, I assume. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I really, really hope that Ivy and Harley 
kind of find that middle where they can can sort this out as adults, which will, and I mean, we'll get to later, but at this point, Harley kind of kicks Ivy out of the room. She doesn't want to do any of the rest of the Bachelorette weekend. She just wants to go home. Um, and Ivy's going to try to convince her not to. But in the meantime, we go back to Kite Man's bachelor party. And, well, not Kite Man's bachelor party. We go back to that, you know, that storyline. But we are now under the ocean with all the poop and all the other stuff, hanging out with King Shark and meeting his new bride, Tabitha. Brad, how did you feel about Tabitha? <laughs> oh, Tabitha. I, uh, you know, I got to be honest. I'm glad I was not... Uh, an arranged marriage with uh, Tabitha. I, I, there seemed to be a subtle justice or, you know, fitting that she was a hammerhead. Uh, and I, I like her line about uh, if she wanted to get married, she wouldn't be able to, I, I forget exactly how she worded it. She wouldn't be able to smoke, chain smoke underwater. That, that kind of made me chuckle because I thought, yeah, how could you chain smoke underwater? But, uh, you know, she, uh, she seems like she's uh, lived a hard life, this Tabitha. So what about you, Seth? Tabitha, for me, totally won it with the throaty, whiskey, chain-smoking voice of Tabitha. Um, <laughs> and there was something just fabulous about the way that, yeah, Brad, as you described it, like, yeah, I couldn't actually think of a better way to, like, show my displeasure than to, you know, chain-smoke underwater. How do you like that? Who's definitely not into it. And, um, you know, as King Sharp mentioned earlier, he was only going because he might also pick up some laundry on the way. Like his his motivations are not really clear, let alone um, noble, to say the least. And Tabitha doesn't make him want to be uh, <laughs> with Tabitha. I just love the fact that the details were so clear, whether it was the hammerhead, whether it was the the dress. It's nice, but not too nice. And actually, the more you look at it, it looks worse. And. Just a few other factors about her that made you think, yeah, that's a, that's a lot to consider whether or not you want to spend the rest of your life with, especially in an arranged marriage, which, Brad, I can agree. I am grateful I was never uh, required to do because, man, you could, you could end up with Tabitha and, and she might not be happy about that idea or vice versa. You know what I mean? Like you can end up with that guy who's like, oh, man, if I had the Really? This? Uh, okay. Okay. What about you, Kelly? Ah, goodness. Yeah, I, I feel bad for both Tabitha and King Shark in this situation because, I I mean, yeah, an arranged marriage would absolutely suck. And clearly both of them are vehemently against it. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not a situation where they're both like, eh, I mean, I don't really want to. It seems like they're both like straight up, I do not want to do this. Um, and not only that, but they seem, uh, I don't know, I just get the vibe that they're a lot older than the age where it's like, I mean, you, you guys can run, you can be free, Tabitha, they go to land like like King Shark did, except apparently the bathroom thing is, is actually an issue for her. But I feel bad for her. I mean, I, I almost want to imagine that when she first found out she had an arranged marriage, she was kind of like a younger, less chain smoking -y kind of shark. And just the stress of knowing that she's going to be forced to spend the rest of her life with a total stranger has turned her into this, you know, not so nicely dressed kind of deep voice chain smoker Tabitha that she is today. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad for her. I really do. And I feel worse for King Shark because it's like, well, this this is 
you know, on, on top of the arranged marriage and the being forced back under the ocean and, you know, the family pressure and everything, this woman is not only unpleasant, but seems to almost hate him a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be down with this marriage if I were King Shark. But while that sorts itself out, we flash back over to Themyscira and we find out what Harley's real plan for this bachelorette party is. And she is going to help Ivy and the others overthrow Eris because it turns out she's known the whole time that Eris is a, a, you know, not a good guy that the island shouldn't really be a resort, and that, in fact, Eris is going to sell it to Lex Luthor. Um, so how did you guys feel about this reveal? Brad? I loved it, because I love Ivy's reaction. And I said, this is perfect. You thought you know exactly what I would have wanted. It's perfect. It has uh, the environment. We can kick a little ass. It's exactly what you know that I would have wanted. It was perfect. And... Uh, Maybe that was it kind of even dawning on her that, hey, this is bigger than even I realized. Like, maybe she is perfect for me. So I really, I really liked that moment when it was revealed. And uh, I got to hand it to Harley. She knew what she was doing. Uh, It's like earlier in the episode when Ivy said, you know, you're like carrying clipboards. This is kind of weird. But she can she can pull it together when she needs to. So another point where I say, you know, she did a great job with this bachelorette party, uh, despite the, uh, how did she put it? The mind blowing orgasmic sex that happened earlier that shouldn't have happened. Other than that, it was <laughs> perfectly, uh, perfectly planned, uh, bachelorette party with, uh, a great climax, if you will. <laughs> what about you, Seth? <laughs> well said, Brad. Yes, quite the climax indeed, apparently, upon descriptions as voiced by Harley. And it's one of those rare moments where actually, yes, mind-blowing orgasmic sex is actually not the desired experience, sadly. And if it occurs, it's not quite as, I don't know, well, you'll have to ask them about that or consult your own research. Up to you, folks. Up to you. However, <laughs> um, this this, like decision yeah it it, it's a mixture for me here because yes this is exactly what caring thoughtful uh totally um, aware of what the person she cares about needs and wants most and it's all the reasons why you want her to be the one you actually at least me i don't want her to be you know alone and i don't want ivy to go off with kite man i don't love kite man what what? Come on, this guy is like such a good guy, such a good guy. Maybe too good, maybe the wrong kind of good, maybe just you know better fit for someone else. But because of you know, how good he is, it'd be nice if it worked out that way. And if it's not, well, it gets a little confusing because Ivy's going to try and make it work, and then meanwhile you have this like brilliant moment from Harley where you're thinking to yourself, Ooh, she could really be the one. She 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 who knows Ivy better than Harley on this one. But does that mean it's meant to be? You know, is that enough? And that's where this was like so gorgeous because you gotta love Ivy just like, yeah, I so love it. This is fucking awesome. And we even get a great pose with like Cobb Squad and <laughs> some great stuff coming. But uh there's also that feeling for me where it's like, oh, Harley, like, I don't know. 
can you think of a more um, impressive way to say I love you more than anything? Because you just kind of did. And that was the tough part. Like, it was so brilliantly perfect. And yet, at the same time, it's Harley. Like, as a little girl screaming, I love you, I love you, I love you. Does it matter? And even a big gesture like this, you got to weigh it up against the, uh, the long term, the kind of the timeline. And, and that's where, again, I come back with that sort of balance of like, oh, sweet kid. I don't know if it's enough. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I um. I mean, I, I loved this reveal. I loved that at, at the end of the day, Harley had a plan that was so completely Ivy, just perfectly tailored. And it's really interesting because earlier in the episode, we see um, when when Kite Man is talking to King Shark and um, Clayface about the, you know, the impending parties for both of them. And he said, oh, I bet or or, you know, what? actually, he might say this later in the episode. No, I don't know for sure. But either way. Kite Man says, oh, I bet, you know, Ivy's going to complain about the airplane food. And everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's so nice that you guys know each other so uh, deeply because it, it just sounds like such a phony, like he doesn't really know her. Like what it, is, it, does that even sound like something Ivy would complain about? Um, but then in contrast, we see even though Hart, like we have Kite Man as the sturdy, dependable husband-to-be who is having this nice wholesome bachelor party and no matter what ivy knows that he will probably love her till the day he dies if they get married and you have harley who was a total wild card but managed to figure out ivy perfectly and plan a party that is just exactly what ivy wants and it shows that harley definitely definitely knows ivy in a way that kite man doesn't and at the same time it's i i don't know it's just so tragic in a way because you you I, I mean even as a viewer I don't know that I necessarily trust Harley with with Ivy's future but this this act the fact that she planned this party and that she had this ready to go just in her back pocket pocket like by the way we are going to save the environment on Themyscira by you know overthrowing the goddess of chaos I mean that's awesome and yeah it's just it's sad it's one of those those weird situations where it's like there's the person that she's safe with and there's the person that she's meant for and it's really hard to tell what direction she should go in so when we move forward from this scene we go back under the ocean with king shark so he can turn down his father and at the the same time we begin the fight with eris and our our fun bachelorette party of I guess broken champagne glass wielding um, non superheroes, and then Catwoman, Ivy, and Harley, who obviously can hold their own. So, guys, in this in this kind of build up towards the end of the episode, what did you think? Do you think did you believe that King Shark had, had is truly standing up to his father? And I mean, what, how do you feel about this lineup for this battle they're going into? Do you think that Jennifer and and Mrs. Freeze were well equipped, Brad? Man, I, I would not want to tell Jennifer that the mimosas are not bottomless. I will say that right now. <laughs> Is that that's what set her off? And man, she held her own. Man, what can I say? Uh, she uh, she kind of proved herself. Uh, she she kicked a little ass, uh, and didn't seem to be all that, you know, affected by the fact that there was blood spraying everywhere, pretty much. Um, so. 
yeah, go go Jennifer, I guess. And uh, I think King Shark had, I don't think he had much of a choice. Uh, I, I think in his own way that was standing up to his father, but uh, uh, poor King Shark. <laughs> what about you, Seth? With King Shark, I, I kind of wanted the voice of reason to come through. Like, it was nice that he was willing to be so conscientious when explaining everything to his dad and, you know, presenting his argument. <laughs> but it was it was hard to feel, like, when you're dealing with a shark dad who's clearly missing an eye with a jagged scar going down across said missing eye and face. Um, that, yeah, that, that might not be a tactic that he's open to or willing to even hear from his own, you know, disappointing son. Uh, and then as far as the cob squad, like, yeah, I had some concerns at first, but definitely was encouraged when Jennifer was like, let's kill that bitch. I mean, as soon as she found out, no bottomless mimosas, motherfucker, I'm a kill. I'm a kill. Plus let's not forget. She was from the sound of it, the most hung over. And there were few things in the world more dangerous. I mean, yeah, me drunk was probably not a great thing, but me hungover was terribly unimpressive to be around and actually potentially like loaded with problems. I mean, you're irritable, the light hurts, you got a headache, your stomach feels terrible. You probably had some weird experiences in the bathroom since you woke up. Whatever they are, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's, you're just like, fuck me backwards. Well, as I heard the old country one, fuck me running backwards with a chainsaw. Like, you're just like, dude, FML, I hate. And and now there's no hair of the dog to help me. You, I'm a kill. Yeah. And the way she, like, seriously, like, Jennifer coming to get down? Come on. From ripping throats to some other fun stuff. Uh, she was savage. And... I think I wasn't sure just how far she could go, but I was definitely impressed with what she showed. And then as far as Nora, like, yeah, I, I definitely feel not only was she probably letting loose a little venting on the dead husband thing, but also she definitely also got her motor going the night before. So a lot of unpredictability, plus alcohol or lack thereof, you know, as they say, shit got real. Kelly? Well, you know what? Initially looking at this lineup, I was like, okay, so Catwoman Ivy, Harley, good. I, I know Jennifer's mad about the mimosas, but isn't it? I believe she's also just, I mean, she's a mom from Michigan. I don't know if that's, you know, going up against a god material, but I mean, clearly she proved herself and with Mrs. Freeze. I just love that she just shatters two champagne glasses and is like, all right, I'm ready to go. Because, <laughs> I mean, to me, if I had been invited to a resort bachelorette party, even if it was with supervillains, I wouldn't assume that they're going to throw me into battle by the end of the weekend. Um, but I, I would like to think that I'd be able to approach it like Mrs. Freeze, where she's like, yeah, fuck it. My husband's dead. I'm, I'm, you know, working through some shit. Let's go stab some people with some champagne glasses. I mean, why not? And poor King Shark. I mean, he just uh, he tried. He did try. He he stood up to his dad and that he has points for that. But. Yeah, the, I this isn't going to shake out the way he wants. But I did really, really love uh, the, this just whole fight between um, Lex Luthor, Eris, and, and the bachelorette party. Because on one hand, I mean, yeah, we have Jennifer straight up vampiring people, like biting people in the throat enough that it is squirting blood everywhere. And I, like, I how do you... 
how was she ready for that? How was she trained for that? I don't, I, I mean, I, I want to know more about Jennifer after this scene. And I also really, really enjoyed watching them try to unplug the TV to get Lex Luthor off the screen and then just throw it off the balcony. And, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I've tried to plug in a few TVs and I've had my issues, but that's, that is one way to do that. And I mean, Jennifer with her kind of gladiator style or Spartan style, I guess, just throwing Eris off this balcony. I mean, I, I loved it. And I feel her with the these mimosas aren't bottomless, because if you pay to go to a resort, you expect them to give you both food and drink in a, an appropriate capacity. And if you make me pay for all of my drinks, I'm already paying to be here. I'm going to be pretty pissed off. I mean, I don't know that I would bite people in the neck like that. That That's a lot. But yeah, I get it. I get Jennifer. And this is oddly enough, the best team for the job, which maybe points to Harley being an even better planner than we originally thought. So they get the mascara back. Uh, Queen Hippolyta's woken up. Things are about to go back to normal. And of course, the way that, that the Amazons celebrate this kind of thing is to throw a fucking rager, um, which has results. So, so Brad, why don't, why don't you let us know what you think about all this? Ah, <laughs> uh, here we are again, waking up in the same bed, uh, which I'm sure <laughs> happens a lot after fucking rages. And I'm sure a fucking rager at in the mascara is even better than a fucking rager in America. So, yeah, that kind of kind of knew that was going to happen. But now uh, Ivy's in a place where I don't, you know, she does, but I don't think that deep down she can really hide it or deny it anymore. That was kind of like it, you know, that was that, you know, yeah, I love her too. And she knows it deep down. What about you, Seth? I think it's hard to deny, like, once is a mistake, twice. <laughs> Come on, man. Like you don't go back for seconds unless you really like the dish they're serving. It's just it's just how it goes. Um <laughs> and and the fact that the the reason is, well, we just got so shit faced at a fucking rager and Queen Hippolyta saying we're gonna throw a fucking rager is probably one of my favorite moments in the episode. Like, just that, like, yes. we're going to throw a fucking rager? <laughs> we're going to throw a fucking rager. Like, yeah. What's up, Hippolyta? Damn, girl, you want to do some shots? Like, fuck yeah, let's talk. How you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's there's something fun to that. Um, or, you know, hey, you, you want to go hunt stuff? I have no idea what we're going to hunt. But, like, I feel like we're getting into a bloodthirsty stage here. So, hey. I'm down, girl. Like, let's do this. Um, so Hippolyta definitely feels like she'd be the one, you know, like kind of talking shit back. Like, yeah, what's up? I don't know, dude. I don't think you can hang. Let's see how your scrawny ass can handle and <laughs> get out there. Um, there's a lot of fun to be had. And then the moment after the the whole feeling of just like, wow, we really did this again. I mean, we want it as fans, but we also come to realize that what's good for us isn't always great for the characters right away. Not, not unless it's sort of known, just what this is about beyond just what it looks like, because that's probably one of the best moments in the show is, is how it always reveals that, yeah, there's this, and then there's the layer beneath it. That's it's going to come up because we, we know that in order to make these moments so wonderfully funny, we need 
just that little bit of human tenderness uh, mixed in there. Um, and we get that with, with Harley trying to start things off by saying, I love you. Like, damn, you know, Harles, don't, don't hold back, hon. Tell us how you really feel. Like, she's willing to take that, that extra because she's of the same mind of like, hey, we, we wouldn't do this twice if it wasn't something we both wanted. But that's not everything for Ivy. She needs more and she needs to know she can trust. And, you know, even Harley earlier mentions like, yeah, well, you know, the whole idea of us being friends and going down that road and taking that risk and, and ruining things. I mean, she's aware of the possibilities too, but the, the meaning, you know, for her, for Ivy definitely feels like it's, it's more ingrained and it's clearly why her response is very different from Harley's. And that's going to be a big conflict between the two of them as we, we try and figure out what, what they're both going to do about the impending wedding and, and everything they were doing up until. Kelly, what about you? Yeah, I I felt I felt for Harley in this scene because it's it's very much, you know, obviously she wanted not that she was trying to make this happen, but obviously she's not upset that it happened. But at the same time, I can kind of see Ivy's perspective of you know, this one is a mistake because she's engaged. And two, she doesn't actually know that she can build any sort of a future with Harley. And actually backtracking, Queen Hippolyta saying, we're going to throw a fucking rager is up there for my favorite lines in this show. (laughs) And in a sense, I kind of, considering what happened the night before and the way things ended up, I almost feel like, it, I mean, maybe Ivy, if she knew that if she got really drunk with Harley again, maybe she should just avoid getting super drunk with Harley again. If you know it's going to end up with some crazy, you know, I mean, I, in a, I think Ivy's kind of letting herself slip here, even subconsciously, just because she already knows that her relationship with Pipe Man is it's it's not going to go the distance the way that she wants it to. Not necessarily because there's anything wrong with Kite Man, but just they're not as perfect for each other as, you know, Harley is for her. Um, but I I mean, damn, I'm, I'm happy to see Harley actually, you know, openly expressing what she's been thinking. Um, I don't know. May, maybe if she'd just taken it a step further and explained, like, you know, I threw this whole party to, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it, this kind of sets up, it, it exposes information that we're aware of, but it sets us up for Ivy to walk away and have to make a decision. And, you know, it's it's probably going to, it's probably not going to go the way Harley wants if Harley doesn't just fully, fully, you know, I mean, say that she doesn't think tight man's right for for Ivy or or point that out or something, because really just the I love you kind of is just exposing information that Ivy maybe already had an inkling of or or felt herself. Um, but, yeah, this just what what a way to, to end a bachelorette party. And so we flop back over to um, Kite Man's side of side of his party and King Shark is back. And it turns out that King Shark actually got married. Um, But he makes a really interesting point. um, And he says that he wants a love that excites him. So this coming, you know, right after the last the last scene that we saw. What did you make of this, Brad? 
I think it's uh, King Shark making the best out of a bad situation. So, uh, and because his heart is in the right place, I think he'll be able to do it. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he's a married man. It's not exactly how they plan to end a uh, bachelor party, but there you have it. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I'd feel worse for King Shark if I didn't trust that he was going to be okay and that he was able to make that best out of a bad situation. What about you, Seth? I'm just going to say it. These are the terms under which I would have married Tabitha. <laughs> because when he comes back, he's like, yeah. Like, and, and, and your laughter says that you agree with me. I don't know if you do or not, but that's how I'm claiming it from this moment on. Like, see, they totally got my back on this, guys. And those of you who are watching the show, you come on. Like, Tabitha does not have an interest in him. He does not have an interest in her. And what he describes for them sounds perfect. Like, yeah, I couldn't really say no to daddy. And when he says daddy, like you're, you're clearly aware of the fact like this man cannot stand up to his father. Um, uh, <laughs> as sweet as he might be, there, there's a degree of deference that simply will not be overcome. So instead, they both agreed to get married but have separate, secret, romantic partners. Really? Like, <laughs> that's what it takes to be royalty. It, it sounds for them like a win-win. And it's the deal I would take. Like, all right, wait, I got to be in arranged marriage. But you and I both agree we don't like each other. So we can both have somebody on the side. And, and it's not really on the side because we're not really in love or think this is a marriage. Sweet. And we're rich or at least have royalty. Sweet. Granted, it's a sham. But if you're going to have to take a deal, that's the deal I'd take. Um the thing that catches me here is we get that that watering of a seed of doubt going on for Kitemit because in this moment, like I, I love the fact that he's like, uh, you know, wait a minute, you got married just, just like that? You didn't have to ask and her reject, and then you ask again and her reject, and then like ten times later she says yes. What am I doing wrong here? Why didn't that happen with me? And you start to get that sense that he's like, wait a minute, if Ivy and I are so perfect together, like, why did it take, why has it been so hard for me to get her to say yes? What, what, what does that mean? That this guy in 10 minutes can get done what it took me, well, 10 times as long to, uh, to get around to. And also, once I let my kite man like brain dwell on it for maybe a year or two. I'm going to figure something out and it's going to get really intense. Now I'm, I'm being a little mean because kite man, he kind of figures it out a little bit sooner than that. But there, there is that sort of recognition from the scene. Two things. One man, King shark, he knows how to deal with an arranged marriage, like classy guy, classy guy. Um, and two kite man has an interesting comparison to make with what he thinks up until that point is everything he wants followed by a question of, why, by comparison, does it sound like maybe he doesn't have the perfection and all-around happiness that he thought he did up until that moment? Which, great way to tease us into the rest of the uh, season and the next episode. Kelly, what was your uh, final thoughts on that one? Well, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting because it's, 
you know, King Shark is doing this deal and, you know, he's going to be married, but he wants he wants love in his life outside of his arranged marriage. So he's, you know, looking for someone who excites him and really, really knows him. And and yeah, like you pointed out, the um, kite man says, yeah, like me and Ivy and everyone's sort of like, uh, and it, it's that kind of uh, on top of the fact that he's like, wait, so you didn't have to ask 10 times. And then everyone seems to be aware that, you know, Kite Man and Ivy aren't exactly the most compatible couple. And to me, that just threw me back to, you know, I hardly confessing her love for Ivy because it's it's very much, you know, she's exciting. She really, really, truly knows her. The the life she pitches to Harley is is a beautiful life, just traveling around the world, partying, getting free stuff and saving the environment. And, you know, it, it's it's such a nice sounding life and such an exciting sounding life, but Kite Man is the safe choice. And I think this is kind of the first indication that we get that Kite Man knows or is starting to figure out that he's, he's a choice. He's a, he's maybe not exactly as, as close and as deeply involved with Ivy as he thinks he is. Um, and I, I feel bad for him for that because he is so, so so in love with ivy and so ready to make this work but at the same time sometimes that that desire to make something work and the love that you have for someone sort of overshadows the the things that don't work and the fact that maybe this isn't the best thing for me and i i feel like that's kind of the situation that kite man's in at this point um and i mean king shark that he look god bless him he still keeps a positive attitude he got married he saved the shark alliance or whatever whatever was going on down there. But yeah, I mean, this, it, it, I, I hope King Shark finds his way through, you know, his, his romantic arrangement. But I think this is really the first indication we get from Kite Man that his relationship is not, or he's at least starting to realize that his relationship is not exactly what he thinks that it is. Um, and so from there, we move into, they're coming back from their trip. Harley had given Ivy this kind of romantic ultimatum to consider and Ivy has an answer, um, but not the answer that Harley wants. Brad, what did you think? I I think one of the most important lines uh, in this show and in this season is when she's, she, when uh, Ivy tells Harley, I can trust you with my life, but I can't trust you with my heart. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think I think she's right. And I, I do think, though, that through it all deep, I think she does have love for Kite Man as well, because I don't think that that's. Uh, I don't know if she is going into that thinking that that's necessarily a bad thing, getting married to Kite Man. So I do think she has genuine love for him as well. Um, but, uh, I think she's, she really hit the nail on the head because she really couldn't Harley does go from one thing to the next really quickly and is impulsive and Ivy's smart enough to know what that would mean in, uh, in a relationship. And, uh, she decides to use her head and, uh, not her heart. And, uh, that's, Definitely not what Harley wanted to hear as the last shot of the episode shows. But uh, 
Oh, yeah, sometimes you you got to do what you got to do. And I think Ivy thought that that's what she had to do. What about you, Seth? Yeah, if there's, I mean, like one one trigger for all of the stupid decisions I've made in my life, it was usually when the person you know, I loved didn't, you know, was no longer there in whatever context it was. And that sort of that that feeling if you've ever gone through the chaos of like wow i really love this person and now they're they're not in my life anymore ah and i really thought this was the person who was going to stick around ah it it doesn't go well (laughs) and afterwards it's really easy to uh to make a choice about what you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to uh it was a friend of my wife's who i knew through another mutual friend who introduced us and when she did, I said, you know what? I just want to be a straight up guy. I'm not interested in anything serious. It would be nice to meet someone who's great, who I could, you know, spend time with and, and maybe like really uh, develop a friendship. But I don't know that I'm up for anything like serious and emotional. And it, it took a while before I was really sure this was someone I could trust. Because up until then, damn, I did not have good luck. Like I just did not turn out well when it came to whole like romance things so ivy as soon as she said this i was like you know what i respect everything you're trying to do and brad i think you're right i think she does love kite man and i think you can love someone and build a life with them foregoing the the chance of having that like wild and and risky you know possibility you might give up some great things with that choice, but you might also have a companion for life and face with that possibility. Ivy's seen what it's like to be through chaos and she knows what it would mean to her if she wanted this amazing thing with Harley and something didn't work out. It, it would destroy the Harvey, the heart that the Ivy we know and love. If, uh, if things fell apart with her and Harley. And uh, yeah, I agree. She's thinking with her head. She's not thinking with her heart. But man, you know, there's that pop song out there. Heart wants what it wants. You, you can say and plan and do. And then there's the reality. Now, this is usually where I get into a ton of trouble because it's like, yeah, I know, I know. Ah, fucking, I'm still going to chase the heart anyways. And it usually ended up poorly. How's it going to work out for our uh, two amazing, potential, perfect companions? I, I I don't like to spoil things, but man, we'll be talking about whatever does happen. Ellie, what do you think? Yeah, see, I agree with Ivy's decision to, I mean, Harley is unreliable. She jumps from one thing to the next. She doesn't seem like, although to be fair, she did have a, great deal of loyalty to the Joker. So maybe, I don't know. I I understand Ivy's decision completely and I probably would have came to the same decision, but yeah, I I just, I'm on the fence with this. And I think honestly, the opinion that I came away with is it's time for Ivy to just be honest with Kite Man. And even if she doesn't want to tell him exactly what happened to just say, I'm not sure about this because at least that would have put them on the same playing field and kind of 
you know, if they have some shit to work out, it's better that they're both aware of the full situation before they get married. And then it's like, well, now we're legally bound together. And here's all this shit that I didn't tell you about that you should probably know about. I don't know. I, I feel like it's honesty time for Ivy. And I mean, we'll get to it in upcoming episodes and see what she does with this, with, you know, the things that have happened over this weekend and the information of uh, how much Harley is in love with her. But yeah, I don't know. I think Ivy should just lay her cards on the table. That's what I walked away from this with, that she should just tell Kite Man, I am lost. Um, but, you know, there, you don't get a lot of good stories out of people just being upfront and honest and working things out like adults. So <laughs> we'll see how she handles this in upcoming episodes. So that's going to wrap it up for our analysis of season two, episode nine of Harley Quinn. Um, I've, I'm Kelly Gaines. I've been here with Brad Felicki and Seth Singleton. Brad, if the people want to ask you about anything we've talked about tonight, where can they find you? Well, you can find me writing news and interviews at dccomicsnews.com. You can uh, find me also on the DC Comics News main podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And Seth, where can people find you? Come find me here. Just, just. Just, you know what, because I don't get to do this on the other ones, just come right the fuck here. Come here to the DC <laughs> Comic News Podcast fucking network. Go to the goddamn network. Okay, from there, hang out with us on the DC Podcast Weekly. Hang out with us here on Mad Love. Check me out when I host the Spinner Rack. See stuff I write and read it when I do it for DC Comics News. But basically, get your fucking ass over here and come say hey. Like, come say hey to a motherfucker, all right? There you go. That's my pitch. Kelly, how about you? Love it. Love the pitch. <laughs> so you can find me on um, DC Comics News writing opinion editorial pieces. You can find me on Twitter at Kel Gaines Write, And you can also find me on our main DC Comics News podcast. And if you've liked this show, if you want to know what, you know, maybe less uh, profanity riddled episodes we have out there, you can check out our main DC Comics News podcast as well as I Am the Knight, which is an analysis of the Batman the Animated Series show, and the Spinner Rack with Seth, of course. And you can find all of that on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Anywhere that you find your podcasts, we are there. Um, and you can follow DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Tumblr, just anywhere. Just look for DC Comics News. We are out there. And there is one thing we like to close off every episode we do with, and that is a reminder to read more fucking comics. Yes. All right. <laughs> Have a good fucking night, everybody. <laughs>